0: You're hanging out after hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. What is going on, Gamecock Nation? Um, as the intro said, my name is Matt Anderson. I am the host of the Late Night Gamecock Show, and I'm your source for all things Gamecocks After Dark. A uh, quick reminder here, just of um, just note, this show is live on Mondays on the channel you're watching right now at 9 p.m. And then we have an additional um, episode that is released on in podcast form uh, usually Friday's mid-afternoon to evening is when is when that that gets released so uh, make sure that you're, you're you're staying locked in I'm, I'm officially on Twitter now um, so that's something I never thought that I would do and um, if you're looking for me on Twitter um, you can find me at late night Gamecock and it's it's kind of weird. Twitter only gives you 15 characters to be able to make your little username. So it is um capital L, the number eight, as an Ocho. So capital L, number eight, and then it's N-I-T-E, Gamecock. So late night Gamecock. I'll, I'll try and get the Twitter rolling. Um, I, I don't do a lot of social media, so um, I'm having to dip my toes in and figure all this out. But a lot of fun. I actually um, made myself a little um, logo, which is which is really fun. I'll, I'll make sure I get that over to Phil in the near future. And a um, uh, good news um, in talking with my wife and um, my mother and a couple other people, you know, my wife and mother, um, two most important people in my life. Um they kind of told me that I need to do something about this background behind me. So hopefully, hopefully Santa Claus is good to me. And I have a green screen going forward and you don't have to look at um, the guest room bed. And uh, that is some Gamecock stuff behind me. I don't know if you can really see it, but um, I do have some Gamecock stuff behind me. I got a a signed basketball back there from um, all the legendary Gamecock basketball players. A Really, 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 really fun item that I have there. And Maybe one day I'll get as swagged out as j c. sherbert with um his wall of of j c and all the fun things that he's done in his life and and then Phil has some good stuff going on and and jamie j b always has the the awesome green screen images so you know maybe in the new year look for that uh, I'm excited for that so stay on the lookout uh big news um everybody wants to talk about the um official visits. This past weekend, and everybody has a lot to say about it. Mainly because I think that Gamecock Nation, as a whole, expected to have, you know, of the. I'll run through these guys really quick for you. Um, Of the official visitors that that I I believe were on campus this week, you had um, Oscar Adway. You he's a running back. You had running back Elijah Green. You had running back Rocket Sanders. Um, Elijah Green's from North Carolina. Rocket Sanders obviously from Arkansas. We know both of those guys well. We played against them in the past. Um, Oscar Attaway, I believe is from North Texas or something like that. Really really good running back. Um, you had wide receiver Jared Brown from Coastal Carolina. Wide receiver Jada McGowan from Vanderbilt. Tight end Tyler Neville from Harvard. You had defensive lineman LT Overton from Texas A&M. His brother. Um, Micaiah Overton as well, and defensive lineman Jerome Simmons, defensive back Gerald Kilgore, who is um, the brother of Jalen Kilgore, who is already a member of the Gamecock football team. So everybody that's been following Gamecock football and Gamecock athletics as a whole has kind of dominated a lot of the talk lately, Um, with Juice Wells entering the transfer portal, and... Uh, Mario Anderson exiting for the transfer portal. everybody is is kind of just circling the running back room and the wide receiver room and in, in this world that we live in, a lot of times it's it's instant gratification is what what we're looking for. And I think when the floodgates didn't open with commitments you know right away on Sunday or even early on Saturday, uh, I think Gamecock Nation got kind of worried. And you know, my shout out here goes to Phil Phil Mullinax, the producer of this show. And if you were, you know, watching his show earlier today, he kind of talked about you know the the iceberg analogy. And I, I really thought that was brilliant, and I'm gonna steal straight from Phil right now. But you know, as Gamecock fans and you know folks on message boards and social media, you can really only see the tip of that iceberg that is, you know, above the water. But underneath that iceberg is the foundation of the iceberg and everything else that that goes into, you know, the danger zone. And it's really something that Gamecock coaches, and it's not just Gamecock coaches. Coaches around the country are having to wade through this because there are ramifications if you take a transfer portal guy early. You know, it's, do I want to set the number for this position for my team going forward in NIL? Do I want to set the number for the SEC going forward in NIL? Is this player theoretically worth what we might what that player might be asking for are there you know i think i saw a statistic today that there were like over 1400 players in the transfer portal as of right now and only 69 of them had committed as of some point today so let that sink in um it was a real eye opener for me only 69 players that have entered the transfer portal have already declared their intentions for their next school so you might say okay well Juice Wells is making X amount of dollars in South Carolina just go give his money to somebody else. Well that's not always possible mm-hmm. because Juice Wells while he's not getting as much money as he made well he's he's probably getting equal to greater than the money that he made through name image and likeness um at his next school um it's actually you know going up from what it was last year and When you look at the transfer portal and you see how many kids are in it, how many wide receivers are in it, is it better for South Carolina or better for any other school around the country to say, why don't I take 33% of what Juice got and spread that over three wide receivers who collectively could have a larger impact than Juice Wells did at South Carolina? And the same thing goes for the running back room. You know, Collectively, where does this money need to go? what kind of precedent am i setting for the future by putting these numbers out there and you know we'll we'll talk about all these guys that were on official visits here in a little bit but one of the things that i've been thinking about and look this is just me putting on you know you know my my hat my my business hat and it's not really a business hat it's just my sports hat and seeing what's happening in the NFL right now I mean, how long did it take for a quarterback to get a fully guaranteed contract? You know, that, that's it took a long, long time. And now now that, that that's out of the bag and, and, and all these NFL franchises have seen what, what's happened with Deshaun Watson, they're not willing to do that anymore. And at the same point, you kind of see all these running backs in the NFL kind of get blackballed and say, nope. The standard price for a running back is, you know, for an elite running back, we're not going over $10 million a year or $12 million a year or $14 million a year. And if a running back is, you know, has a little bit more carries on them, has an injury history, they're not. The NFL has just made a carte blanche decision across, you know, all of their owners and all the owner meetings that this is the market for this player. And right now in in college football, especially, there is no market that has been set the market is being set right now and i don't think we're that far away from a wink wink hush hush of look we are not going to continue to ask our boosters to spend you know 15 million dollars a year on this recent transfer portal season because at some point the boosters are going to say i want championships and you know my 1 million my 500,000 my part of that collective amount of money is not getting the results I want, and so therefore, nope, you don't have that money anymore. So college coaches around the country, and in South Carolina, are having to do the exact same thing right now. They're having to say, "What is the market we're going to set?" And look, this isn't coming from inside South Carolina. This is coming from my my noggin right here. You know what I think is going on, and. Eventually, you're going to see a market that is unattainable, and it's not going to stand the, the test of time. And I think that's one of the reasons you haven't seen the NCAA come in and say, hey, we're going to regulate this. This is going to get regulated on its own. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, with that being said, we'll, we'll dive into the official visitors here. Um, just give me a second. I do see that um got some, some chat box um, questions and comments. Uh, Randy Johnson says most have Rocket as 100 percent to Carolina. He says how knows. I think he means who knows. Um, and this might be a great jumping off point. I think that Rocket Sanders had a had a great visit. Um, I was told that you know from a third party source that you know he was his official visitor host was Lenore Sellers. I think that you know having Lenore you know kind of run point on there and and why he's at South Carolina, why he's staying in South Carolina, what he needs. Um, to, to take care of him as a quarterback, as far as playmakers around him, I think that might have been a smart choice. And, you know, I don't have that confirmed by a second source right now, but, you know, the, the source I heard that from, I, I really believe. So, you know, with Rocket Sanders, I heard really good things about his official visit. I, you know, I, I heard that the, the players in the building really enjoyed being around him think that they you know, liked what he can bring to the table, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Rocket Sanders eventually commits to South Carolina. Um, I don't know of anything imminent right now as it's concerned with Rocket Sanders. He's kind of the guy that has been the center of Gamecock transfer portal, um, social media, and message board fodder lately. If the Gamecocks can get Rocket Sanders, that's a heck of a get, and I think a lot of this hand-wringing and, you know, just fans being upset kind of gets tamed tamed down and tampered down. But the Gamecocks are, have to be very, very active in this transfer portal window. Um, so, yeah, if you get a guy like Rocket Sanders, if you can get him earlier rather than later to kind of set the tone for, you know, you know, potentially how much you have to spend on a Rocket Sanders, and I, I haven't seen a number. And, and, Wesley, I see your question here. What is a realistic NIL stock for an SEC-caliber running back? Every number is different, and every every number is essentially what what somebody's willing to pay. I can tell you that that running backs don't get as much as you know the elite wide receivers. Running backs don't get as much as the elite quarterbacks. Um, they're not going to get as much as a defensive end. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard rumors of numbers, um, not not around this portal class. I want to be very clear in that, but I heard numbers in the two hundred thousand dollar range for a running back in the transfer portal last year. I've heard 140,000. I've heard 60,000. I've heard a lot of different numbers. And so, I mean, I don't think that a running back is breaking the bank. Um, Yeah, Randy, you know, those numbers that Own3 puts out, I I don't know how accurate they are. Um, I I think it's hard to quantify. I I don't know there. I mean, I think if the Gamecocks can – you know, secure Rocket, Rocket Sanders commitment for ninety-seven thousand dollars. I, I think that's a that's a wise investment when I think about where money could be going uh, around the entire roster. Um, I think that you know you might be able to find three or four boosters that would put in twenty-five thousand dollars for a Rocket Sanders. So if that if that's the number that's on own three, and you know we have to we have to give them credit. Um, you know, I, I do think some research went into that. Um, when I looked at it last year, I did see that Nicholas Harbor was had a higher um, NIL you know value um, than some players ranked ahead of him, and I think that you know there's a premium on you know his ability as a track athlete. There's a premium on his ability as just a freak of nature and and his marketability you know playing multiple sports. So you know those numbers might be right. I know that. You know, Matt Rule over at Nebraska came, came out a couple of weeks ago and said, if you want a, a quarterback, you better be willing to pay $5 million a year. I can tell you right now that Spencer Rattler was not making $5 million a year at South Carolina. He was making a pretty penny, and, you know, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's a money that, you know, I've never seen in my lifetime, especially at that age, but, you know. What would, what would have been the alternative without a Spencer Rattler the past two years? Um, you know, there are still a lot of Gamecock fans that get a lot of joy out of, you know, just watching a, an elite quarterback who's going to go represent your university in the NFL, being a part of your team, and and you want to win every single week, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, so Mark Livingston says, "Do you think we have a shot at Will Shepard? I'm sure McGowan will commit, but haven't mer- heard much about Shepard." Yeah, with Shepard, I I think it's up in the air if he's gonna visit South Carolina. Uh I think it'd be really really uncommon to see a kid that doesn't that doesn't make an official visit to South Carolina committing to them. But I mean look at it, that, that's what Spencer Rattler did. Um Spencer Rattler never stepped foot on at the University of South Carolina. His his good buddy Austin Stogner did and Austin had a lot of good things to say. He already had a relationship with Shane Beamer and when when Spencer had to make his decision there wasn't a whole lot of positive publicity around Spencer he kind of had like that stain of getting replaced by Caleb Williams but now you look back at when he got replaced by Caleb Williams and yeah I think that that was probably the right move I mean Caleb Williams is going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft probably the first quarterback off the board maybe a number one pick um sometimes the kids can just play like that but um Yeah, so Spencer, he committed without stepping foot on Sacramento's campus. I mean, that was kind of coming off COVID as well. So, you know, a lot of players were taking these virtual visits. Um, But, yeah, I mean, for Will Shepard, I think he's got to get on campus for the Gamecocks to have a real real shot at him. Uh, With McGowan, I think McGowan would like to be a Gamecock. I think he wanted to be a Gamecock coming out of high school. Uh, Obviously, um, has ties to the state, has, you know, if you read – the report that Phil Kornblut put out today, and Phil's a great guy. He's part of this Chief Sports Network. Um, Phil said that, I mean, Phil wrote that McGowan said that he had goosebumps playing at Williams Bryce Stadium. It was a cold, rainy, nasty day, and the stadium was still pretty packed. He's had dreams of returning a punt to Sandstorm. I think that, you know, there's a high likelihood McGowan, you know, eventually you know, is a part of South Carolina's team next year, assuming that. The NIL figure is right, and that's not really bashing a kid. This is the world that we live in now. And, you know, to have a kid that, you know, was probably making next to nothing at Vanderbilt, um, there are a lot of teams that could use that kind of Swiss Army knife, wide receiver, punt returner, kick returner. Um, What is that true NIL value? I don't know. I don't know. Um, And and remember, it's not – these kids are not having conversations on their official visits about dollar figures. There might be some side conversations that happen between parents and, you know, boosters while kids are, you know, hanging out with players on the team. Maybe some of that stuff happens, but directly like it wasn't like South Carolina and, and Shane Beamer were sitting in um, a really quick, um, really quick McGowan is um, what is his first name? I got to get it really quick. Um Jada mcgowan i wanted to call him jared um jared actually jared brown from coastal he committed to south carolina he was an official visitor but yeah Jada mcgowan's from vanderbilt he's kind of like a swiss army knife like five eight five nine maybe 165 pounds lightning fast excellent return man uh kind of like in your amarion brown phylum but you know maybe a little bit better than amarion brown um so back to what i was saying you know I don't I don't think that, you know, when they had their exit interview with Shane Beamer and Shane said, well, we'd like to have you as part of the team. You know, we have a spot for you. You know, with Jaden McGowan, they basically said that, you know, we made a mistake. We should have offered you out of high school. We're trying to fix that mistake. There are still side conversations that have to happen, you know, after that. And, you know, Shane Beamer can't be a part of those conversations. So I think that's why you, you saw, you know, a – a wide receiver commit pop today from the transfer portal. It's why you saw a or a defensive defensive tackle Jerome Sim- Simpson pop today. You know, everything kind of lined up and the player was willing to accept that offer. And right now, don't kid yourself. Every player on the roster that's a scholarship athlete is getting something through name, image, and likeness. Wesley, um, I see your comment here. You say, "My goodness, this is basically professional sports." Um, in a lot of ways it is, and I think it's gonna become more and more like professional sports as we go on. I, I think that a lot of this stuff, and it might be three to five years away, um I think a lot of this stuff and the dollar figures and the numbers will get you know will taper down over time. But right now this is just the world that we live in and you know, you gotta be prepared to spend a little bit of money. That's just That's just the truth of the matter on every single player. And unfortunately in this name, image, and likeness and transfer portal era that we're in, South Carolina doesn't have the funds that, that other schools may or may not have. So I know, I know South Carolina doesn't have, you know, a 12 million, $15 million annual pool for NIL money that they can just, you know, throw out at any, at any given point, um, and and you still, like, of that 12 to 15 million, let's just say, like, that's the number. Uh, I think that JC has said this numerous times, 12 to 15 million, 10 million would be, you know, the right number for a program like South Carolina because at South Carolina, you're still going to have to be a developmental program. Uh, you're not just going to have, you know, even with name image likeness in the transfer portal, you're not going to have a team like Alabama, let's say, or texas or i'm trying to think southern cal i just think of these teams that have recruited really really well have been really really good for a long period of time like not just like the past 10 years like traditionally that have a tradition to sell in 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 you know recruiting not just the transfer portal but think about that really quick and just say look at these trophy cases and we just brought in the number 15 recruiting class in the country and wouldn't you know it, we have a gaping hole at defensive end or offensive tackle or running back because we just put this guy in the NFL and he's going to be a first-rounder. You don't have to be the man here. You have to be a part of the machine, and part of this machine will get you to the NFL. That's the difference where South Carolina is. So South Carolina is never, I, I shouldn't say never, but probably not likely to be able to sit there and say, all right, you know, we got nine of 11 starters coming back on defense next year and we can probably only upgrade at the, the two open starting positions. Like that's not, it's not South Carolina. South Carolina still has to develop the players that, that play for them. And they have to go be able to find the guys that might be a tick ahead of a returning starter or, you know, Three ticks ahead of a freshman who needs two more years to fill in these holes. And that's where South Carolina is going to have to be really, really active. Um, going through the official visitors, and I want to do that real quick. Um, Oscar Attaway is a running back. I think he's from, like, North Texas. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Five uh, 5'10", 219 pounds. Really, really, really productive, productive running back. Um a guy that would definitely help the running back room at South Carolina. I think he had a, a pretty daggum good visit. I, I I would I wouldn't put him on commitment watch necessarily, but I, I wouldn't say it it would be out of the realm of a realistic situation to see him ultimately commit to South Carolina. Um running back Elijah Green from North Carolina, um five foot eleven, two hundred and ten pounds, you know, probably fluctuated between the running back two and running back three on North Carolina's depth chart. Uh, he has two years to play two. Uh, I don't know if I see South Carolina really going all in on him, you know, right out the gate. Um, it's nice to have him on campus. It's nice to put, you know, a temperature gauge on him, see what he looks like in person, you know, not just like the game tape you might've had preparing for North Carolina this year, or even the game film that you have. And obviously they're looking at game film from you know, this season, but um, never a bad idea to have a kid that's um, from Georgia, you know, come to your campus. And, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, especially the guys that have, you know, multiple years remaining in college, you know, it's never a bad thing to make a relationship and a connection with them and bring them on campus for an official visit. And because, you know, when when Elijah Green, you know, if he doesn't end up at South Carolina, ends up at his next school and he has that free transfer because he's a graduate, Maybe South Carolina has a hole again and they can bring an Elijah Green in there and fill, you know, a hole. Rocket Sanders is the big one. Um, originally from Rockledge, Florida, South Carolina finished number two in his recruitment. He was kind of a, um, wide receiver hybrid running back type of deal when he came out of, came out of high school. Uh, six foot two, 242 pounds. He has one year of eligibility left. Um, for those of you that remember, I mean, he put up 154 yards rushing against South Carolina two years ago, had a, a first-team All-SEC, I think a second-team All-American two years ago. He got hit by the injury bug this year at Arkansas, played behind a pretty pretty horrible offensive line, You know, no different than South Carolina players. Play, South Carolina running backs had to run behind, and Spencer had to be protected by this year. Um, he's a guy that I think South Carolina has a lot of staying power with. I think that he had a really good visit, and I, I've seen I've seen all the rumors that are on message boards right now, and everybody's saying that Rocket Sanders is the 100% lock. Um, I can't say that right now. I think that you know, with these types of situations, especially coming off a of visit, he had a really good visit, and maybe it's a numbers game now. And you know, I'm not going to say it couldn't pop you know, tomorrow's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think that you, you probably want to get him in the boat before next weekend because that, that's just another opportunity for him to visit somewhere else. So I think with Rocket Sanders, you know, if you're, if you want to go all in on him, and I think the Gamecock should, you try and lock that down in the next two or three days. But he's very open to South Carolina. I can tell you that. And he could see himself at South Carolina. He likes South Carolina. Um, so, I would say cautiously optimistic on Rocket. Um, so wide receiver Jared Brown from Coastal Carolina, uh, six foot, 190 pounds. He has two years of eligibility, two years to play two. Uh, really electric player. Um, you know, I, I watched some highlights of him from Coastal, and he's the guy that can get behind the defense. He's the guy that can take a take a little screen pass and go 52 yards. Uh, he, he's an upgrade over what South Carolina had last year in the receiver room, and he was a big get for South Carolina today. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, everybody was all about Eddie Lewis coming from Memphis. Um, Jared Brown's probably probably a little bit better than Eddie Lewis, maybe a lot better than Eddie Lewis um, coming out of Coastal Carolina. Uh, we talked about wide receiver Jaden McGowan, five foot eight, one hundred and eighty-one pounds, from Vanderbilt, two years to play two. He's a guy that. I would have thought would have committed to South Carolina shortly after his visit or on his visit this past weekend. I can't tell you what's stopping him from pulling the trigger. I don't know. I don't think it's a South Carolina thing. I think it's a JD McGowan thing. I know that Jaden McGowan wants to take a trip to Boston college. So that's out there right now. And it might be a thing where he goes to Boston college um, and see, and, and you just go from there. I mean, Boston College, especially Boston, on you know the third week, second or third week in December, is a lot different than um, South Carolina, and you know playing the and the ACC is a lot different than the SEC. And Jaden McGowan knows that firsthand. Uh, tight end Tyler Neville from Harvard, he has one year left to play. Um, you're gonna see this a lot from the Ivy League kids. But Tyler Neville is six foot four, 235 pounds. He's an Ivy League kid from Harvard. It's important to remember that these Ivy League kids, um, oftentimes they don't have a graduate school to go to necessarily. So these kids are able to go into the transfer portal um, before other players. I know that Tyler Neville is a guy that South Carolina desperately wants. Um, they, they need to fill out that tight end room. Um, I, I mean, I think that you're going to see, i um, blanking on his name right now, who was everyone's favorite tight end? Someone helped me in the chat box this year. He did it. He played behind Trey Knox, and I don't know why I'm blanking on his name at the moment. But um Yep, Phil's got me. Phil Phil always has me. Joshua Simon. Uh, Joshua Simon's gonna come back. I feel pretty strongly about that. And then you have the freshman tight end coming in, but you still need bodies. I mean, you have Reed and you have Nick, and those those guys are gonna be pretty decent, you know, in, in time. But um, they they got a, they're more blocking guys and, and Tyler Neville can do a little bit of both he's a hard nosed player um, I, I think he'd be a big get for South Carolina the next two we have to talk about are two defensive linemen the Overton brothers from Texas A and M uh, the headliner is LT Overton six foot five two hundred sixty five pounds former five star has two years left to play two and then his brother Micaiah Overton six uh, foot four three hundred pounds has one year to play one. I am still not 100% certain that Micaiah was in on an official visit this week weekend. I know that LT Overton was in on an official visit. I know that they had a good visit. I think that they are a package deal wherever they end up, and I can't say for certain that the Gamecocks are going to be willing to pay the Overtons' numbers. Um, there are some concerns about LT Overton. Um but I, I just don't know. I think that he's gonna have he's gonna have the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Texases, the Southern Cows, you know, these people that view him as a luxury as opposed to a need. And they might be able to outspend South Carolina and you know when you have to factor in, it's it's two two players and you know, Micaiah could probably help. He's a big kid, six foot four, three hundred pounds. You know, we, we all saw South Carolina go to that three 335 defense. Um he's a guy that you can maybe plug in and take some snaps there. LT Overton has gained some weight. He's probably more of a defensive tackle, defensive end flex guy right now. Um I just wouldn't say that I'm I'm optimistic about either of them ending up at South Carolina, but you know, with Micaiah and me not being certain that he was an official visitor um this past weekend, maybe they're they're leaving an official visit for Makaya to come back, and then LT comes with his family, and they, they make a second run at them. If that's the case, I think it's a really, really smart move by by South Carolina there. Uh, defensive lineman. This is a JUCO kid. Um, he's got two years to play two. Uh, Jerome Simmons. He's defensive tackle all the way. Six foot four, three hundred thirty three pounds, from Bamberg, South Carolina originally, and he is a kid that. Yeah, you'll wish you could get in for spring practice, but he's a four-star, um, JUCO kid. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna boost the Gamecocks recruiting numbers for those of you that like to see high number or low numbers by uh, Gamecock Gamecock recruiting um, team rankings. He's a guy that you know is gonna have to play next year. He's gonna have to be a plug and play guy, especially with only two years to play remaining. Um, big pickup for South Carolina. You can't get enough defensive linemen, especially defensive tackles and we all know where South Carolina has been lately um, when it comes to defensive tackles either developing or or staying with the program for four years. So big get. I think that it was a big need, an absolute humongous need. Uh, The last kid that took an official visit this past weekend is um, defensive back um, Gerard, Gerald, or Gerald? I think it's Gerald Kilgore. Um, This is Jalen's brother. He has three years to play three. Uh, he's a he's a kid that I think can play at the Power 5 level. Um, if nothing else, he'll help out on special teams, but I think that he could crack the two deep in his time at South Carolina. Uh, he's going to take, I think, an official visit to Auburn. Um, I, I thought he was another kid that was going to jump on the offer. I know that Jalen's really, really happy at South Carolina. And they're just making sure that it's the right place for both brothers. They're not scared to go separate ways. You know, they've already kind of done that with Jalen playing at South Carolina and his brother Gerald playing at Tennessee Tech. Um, great, great family. I don't think they're playing any recruiting games or NIL games or anything like that. This is really just the family trying to find the right spot for Gerald. And and I think it's probably going to be South Carolina when it's all said and done. I think that, you know, that just makes the most sense. Um, one note about Gerald and, and Jalen did the same thing. Their father is a pastor, and they both left their official visit in time to get home for church on Sunday. Uh, Jalen, when he took his official visit, and, and Gerald did the same. So um, always want to bring high-quality, high-character kids into the program, and and I think that every single player we've talked about so far fits that mold. Um, you know, taking a transfer sometimes can be, can be hit or miss because you don't know that kid you basically had two weeks maybe a week to get to know them before you take them on in your program and all these kids we're talking about i think are really really good kids i think they're kids that you know will buy into the love your brother mindset that shane has and culture is a big thing and i know that a lot of people say well how can we have culture when 18 players are transferring out well a lot of those kids are taking better opportunities for themselves, not from an NIL standpoint, but dropping down a level of competition to be able to get on the field. The SEC is a really, really hard place to play football. And <clears throat> if you if you didn't hear it, um, the Friday before the South Carolina Clemson football game, um, JV, JC, and Phil had Wesley Saunders on the show. Um, Wesley is one of my good buddies from way back in, in college. And he talked about, you know these kids might have more talent than other kids. They might have more ability, but you know once you get, lose your confidence, you got nothing at the SEC level and you got nothing in college football and you might have to drop down a level to regain that. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of these kids that you know are making that move down It's probably in their best interest and it's it's one hundred percent the best interest of South Carolina because there is no scholarship limit anymore. Um you, you can sign as many kids as you want. You just gotta be under eighty-five scholarship kids by August. And remember, there there are fourteen hundred players in the transfer portal right now, and a large majority of those players are are coming from programs that didn't make a bowl game. There's gonna be another wave of transfers. And you know, we don't know. Like we as Gamecock fans, as people that support the program, we don't know everything that's being said behind closed doors with other players you know from maybe a georgia you know maybe a tennessee maybe a pick your school that's playing in a bowl game there are back channel conversations that are happening right now and you can't just load up on on all these guys i think south carolina can only take somewhere in the range of like 10 to 15 additional players even with the transfers out of the program between the recruiting class and the transfer portal. So the Gamecocks are going to have to be very selective. They're going to have to be selective on who they take to make sure they can make an impact, but also, you know, selective on when you take somebody. And, you know, keep an eye out for for any player that visited a school last weekend that doesn't commit to that school this weekend. Um, There is a lot of moving parts that have to happen just on the kids' side. You know, forget – What's my NIL number? Or, you know, am I getting paid? It's Christmas is coming up. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna want to spend time with their family. They have to move out of their old apartment, dorm, condo, house, wherever they're living right now, they gotta move all that stuff across the country or across a couple state lines. And they have to get eligible for South Carolina. You know, some of these kids that might come in for an official visit. They got to do paperwork to get enrolled. They have South Carolina has to do their due diligence to make sure if they take this kid, they can get into school. Cuz the last thing you want is a kid that you know might not be able to come in at spring practice so you drag out till summer and then all of a sudden we can't get the kid in school. There's nobody left on the transfer in the transfer portal that that's worth it for us to take and you just lost a scholarship because you did that. So you have to be very very meticulous in, you know, what you're doing and uh, a lot of times, you know, we talk about the salaries that coaches make, and you know, is it justified or not? But these coaches and the director of operations and the you know, the DOPS team and the analysts and the support staff, they are working 100 to 120 hours a week right now just to make sure that they dot every i, cross every t, you know, don't let anything slip through the cracks when they're making these decisions because. You know, it's almost like cramming for a final where you didn't go to class all semester because it, it it takes a heck of a lot of time to go get all this film on Oscar Attaway and say, okay, well, you know, two years to play two if NCAA approves a medical hardship waiver due to an ACL injury in 2021. All right, is his ACL good? Is it intact? I mean, we saw all that with uh, the Chaney kid from Miami. You know, he was probably going to be a Gamecock. He wanted to be a Gamecock, but there were too many medical red flags. And you have to make those decisions fast. And you don't have the time where you can, you know, get a kid into camp. You can watch some some practice, some, you know, spring practice, um, fall practice. You can watch their high school film. You can talk to their teachers. You can talk to their coaches. You can talk to their AD, talk to the guidance counselor, talk to, you know, anyone and everyone that helps you make an informed decision on taking a kid or not. You have to really do your due diligence, and that's what the Gamecocks are doing right now. So with that being said, um, keep an eye on it. Um, I'm going to the Big Spur right now (laughs) just to make sure that I don't miss anything. Um, You know, I I don't think that – I don't think I missed any, you know, welcome homes. Um, I think that the welcome homes that I know about so far are the kids that we talked about. Uh, Jerome Simpson and uh, Jaden Brown or Jared Brown Um, so oh thanks Sean really appreciate that 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 makes this thing so much more fun for me when people say nice things like that I really appreciate it Um, really quick around college basketball or no I I was going to get into college basketball but I want to spend more time on this Um, right now I will say that you know, everyone's wondering about college basketball. Everyone's really excited for college basketball. And college basketball is something that is, is really is my passion. Um, I've been doing this stuff for, you know, well before I started working with the Big Spur and started doing this this show, I always try to predict bracketology. I have a pretty firm handle on teams that will get in uh, most most years. And it's getting easier. Like, I'm not saying I'm some, like, savant. But it's getting easier because you see the criteria and you see what teams get in, what teams don't. So most years I'm, I'm usually 67, 66, 68, um, you know, of the 68 teams that make the NCAA tournament. And so I did want to spend some time right now, and then we'll talk about this more. I'm sure when I go on um, Phil and JB and JC's show um, later this week, we haven't firmly put that time slot in. Usually it's Wednesdays. But um, we, we we'll probably have a deeper conversation on that show. But what what the the selection committee is looking at is it's not just your overall record. You know, right now South Carolina sits at eight and one. They're four and zero oh at home. They're one and one on the road, and they're three and zero oh in neutral games. Haven't played haven't played a conference game yet. Um, South Carolina's eight and two in their last ten. Um, they've won five in a row at home. One in a one in a row on the on the road. And right now the net the net rankings, and this is a big thing that people sometimes miss. The net ranking does not mean that you are, you know, if you have, let's say right now the Gamecocks have a, a 28 net rating. That doesn't necessarily mean that the selection committee views you as the 28th best team in the country. Um, I can go through it right now, and there are teams like, I think like Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, you know, Ole Miss is undefeated. All of those teams are below South Carolina in the net. What the net is used as is a sorting tool. So they've they've sorted this and you have quadrant one, quadrant two, quadrant three, and quadrant four. And so and so that's what they're looking at when they do this. And and the quads are, are set up where, you know, if you beat a team at home that has a net rating of one to thirty, then you get a quad one game, whether you win or lose, you either get, you know, you're one and one or you're one and O oh, or you're O oh and one, if you've only played one of those. And then quad one goes, I think, um, teams ranked in the net one to 75 on a neutral court. Um, and you get a win loss, same type of deal. And anybody over 75 on a neutral, um, you have quad three and quad four. So what the Gamecocks need to avoid is quad three and quad four losses. Um, I did some quick math on this, and right now, um, Ken Palm has South Carolina projected to go, I believe, 20 and 11 and 9 and 9 in the SEC. Um, and if you look at the Ken Palm page, you'll kind of see this. If you actually count it up, he his his win loss predict predictions say 8 and 10 for South Carolina in the SEC. But if you look at the bottom, he he predicts him to go 9 and 9. That's just because some games literally are such a coin flip that he's saying South Carolina. Could win or lose, plus or minus. You know, you could have seven. You go seven eleven. You could go nine and nine. So if you count it up, he has eight SEC wins. And in 2023, there were two teams that made the NCAA tournament out of the SEC that were eight and ten in conference. That was Arkansas, who got in as an eight seed, and Mississippi State, who got in as an eleven seed. Now, if you look at the Ken Palm ratings, Arkansas was ranked as the 22nd best team in the country, and Mississippi State was ranked as the 53rd. Um, if you go back to 2022, no team from the SEC made the NCAA tournament with an 8-10 conference record. Mississippi State had a had a ranking of 49th on Ken Palm, and they were left out of the tournament. In 2021, there was no um, NCAA tournament due to COVID, and in 2020, Bama had an 8-8-10 record in the SEC. They were ranked 60th in Ken Palm, and they got left out. So. You know, as we look at it right now, you know, eight and ten, nine and nine, puts the Gamecocks firmly on the bubble, and that's where Ken Palm has them right now. Now, the good thing is what I just talked about. When you look at this as a sorting tool, is right now Ken Palm has the Gamecocks projected to go three and seven in Quad one games, three and three in Quad two games, so a combined record of six and ten. And then in Quad three games, yet Ken Palm has the Gamecocks going three and one. And in Quad four games, ten and zero. So um, combined quad three and quad four, 13 and one record. One quad three loss isn't going to kill you. Now, you probably want closer to a 500 record in Q1 and Q2 games to feel really good about your chances. So and, you, and, if you, and when you look at Ken Palm, like a lot of these games that you know, might be a quad one or a quad two game, specifically the quad two games, he might have the Gamecocks losing by three points. Now that could swing the other way. I mean, that that's such a tight margin that you know the Gamecocks could sneak out two more wins out of there and finish at eight and eight in Quad one and Quad two. If the Gamecocks do that, you know they're looking at a you know a pretty good. I mean, what ten and ten and eight SEC record combined with a twelve and one non conference. Um, so that puts the Gamecocks at twenty two wins. They probably be in the field, but don't get hung up on twenty wins to get you in. That's just not the way it works anymore. It has to be the right combination of wins, and the best way I can explain that is a couple of years ago I can't remember which team it was, but they had like a it was it it was a non-power five team I believe, but they had like a 25 and four record or something and did not win their conference tournament, and everybody was in an uproar because they they didn't get in. Um, but if you look at it of their 29 games. Um, other 29 games, 25 of them were against quad three and quad four opponents. They had two quad four losses, so like their wins were just fluffed up. It wasn't necessarily, you know, they they were beating quality teams. That's the benefit that the Gamecocks have, you know, from here on out. Assuming that they you know they, they take care of business and, and looking at it right now, um, South Carolina is ranked 52nd on Ken Palm, 76th on Bart Torvik, and 65th on Evan Mia. Um Torvik started the Gamecocks at 111. Kimpom started the Gamecocks at sixty six. So they're in a good pro- pro- projection because um, both of those both of those data points, well, I don't think Torvik does, but Kimpom definitely uses the last four or five years um, of historical data. So just want to say that we'll we'll talk more about this on JB, JC and Phils show you know later this week. Um, but right now, Gamecocks don't have another home basketball or basketball game at all until they play Charleston Southern on Saturday. Um, so this is this is going to be football talk. I'm sure that you know JB and, and and Phil spend a lot of time talking about college basketball. So if you want a college basketball fix, you can go there. You know they don't spend you know all 15 hours a week on it, but you'll probably get a good hour of basketball content. But right now, you know, like Sean said, it, it's it's football these days. Um, that's what everybody wants to talk about. So we'll we'll talk about that. But I did want to give a little bit of a, a synopsis of how um what the Gamecocks road looks like. Um, in college basketball, and don't forget, I saw um, South Carolina put out a statement today on Instagram or social media that um, all home men's and women's basketball games the rest of the, the rest of the December calendar um, it's free concessions. So I think it's free hot dogs, it's free um, popcorn, free soda fountain drinks, and bottles of water. So if you're looking for a reason to go to the game and you know get out there and support the Gamecocks, I know their next two opponents. Um, and On the basketball side of things, let's see, 2024 Gamecocks. Um, you have you have four more games at home, so you got Charleston, Southern, Winthrop, Elon, and Florida A&M. So get out there and support the Gamecocks. Hopefully, they have a 12-1 record going into conference play, and um, that that would probably mean that Saturday, January 6th, at home against Mississippi State would be a sellout um, for for men's basketball, and that's fantastic. Um, men's basketball needs all the support they can get. But yep, it it is it is football time right now, and, and we'll get back to regularly scheduled football content on Thursday night show. Um, again, if you want to go follow me on Twitter, um, I mentioned at the beginning, um, I'm dipping my toes into social media. It's um, late night gamecock is the username, and it's capital L, um, the number eight, and then it's night spelled N I T E gamecock. So it's um, username is at late night gamecock. You can find me there. You can always reach out to me um, via email at um, late night gamecock show at gmail.com. And I'm always on the big spur. If you're a member there, you know, feel free to send me a private message. Um, You know, ask me any questions on the board. I'm always here for you guys. I really, really appreciate it. Um, This means the world for me to me to be able to do this. And, and all of y'all give me such a valuable thing, which is your time. It's the most valuable thing we have on this planet. And I I don't take it for granted at all. So thank y'all so much. And until next time, I am signing off. Have a good one, guys.